Hey! <laughs> <laughs> That's right, everybody. <laughs> it's announce mouse for breakfast. Announce mouse. Announce mouse. Part of a complete breakfast. <laughs> so, uh, hi everyone. Welcome to the season finale. Wink of two monsters rolling dice. Don't wink at me like that. Don't worry. We'll be back next season, <laughs> which for most of you in your mind means in the spring. Wink! <laughs> um, and uh, we just wanted to, to carve out, I know this is normally intro town, but there's been a, a brutal coup and a military junta now rules and it's announced Mosville in the beginning. Harlow Monster here. Jaren Monster here. Melissa Monster here. Yep, and two other monsters are here. Yep, they're holding up signs that have their name. The Not the Jaren Monster. <laughs> Those are the two monsters rolling dice. Look to my left. <laughs> Look to my right. They're both Jaren Monsters. Oh, God. We've replaced them all. The Jaren Monsters were the friends we made along the way. <laughs> Anyways, we just wanted to take a beat here before the episode, so we didn't bust in through the middle of the episode, uh, like through a window or behind a door. And uh, instead, we just wanted to have it barely get off the ground from the beginning and do it up front. So everyone thinks it's another w dumb announcements episode, but actually there's a whole episode. So... This has been an amazing experience and a, an incredibly fun season for us. And the story's just getting started, and we're super excited to conclude the journey of the characters of the Uncanny Valley of the Isle of Khan, of Palmyra. Yeah. In multiple seasons, <laughs> though, right? Yeah, sure. Or maybe like a trilogy of movies. <laughs> we're working on a few different deals. The right, vignette. right. There's gonna, they, it could be picked up as a comic book. Pixar is called. No, I don't think Pixar is a good fit for us. I just don't feel it. Okay. Ole fans. <laughs> <laughs> too far the too other way. Yeah, too, probably guys. somewhere in the middle. Yeah, it could, somewhere between Pixar and OnlyFans. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, this has been Good Times and Great Oldies. The entirety of season one is going to stay available at www.twomonstersrollingdice.com. You can find it there. Probably be throwing up new information and random fun tidbits. You can sign up for the newsletter. Something we've never talked about right there on the front page. You can go to twomonstersrollingdice.com slash donate if you feel like you want to throw us a little money for, you know, going off the air. <laughs> That's the best way you can thank us is like here. Uh, well, we finally shut up. I feel like maybe right. it's time to throw us a little something in appreciation for God, finally. Finally. <laughs> and don't worry, we should have season one on Blu-ray by Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's There's actually like a lot of international licensing stuff you wouldn't think would be red tape, but it turns out it's actually a big pain in the ass on the translations that's a real hard one mm -hmm. yeah the different zones yeah so anyways like rate, subscribe feel free to tell people about it too that uh, haven't heard about it or listened to it uh, we like to think there's some appeal that's broader than people who like to role play even so the best way to support the podcast <laughs> is to uh smash that like button and subscribe button wherever you listen to your podcasts and the jaron monster is personally saddened because Google is getting rid of Google Podcasts soon, and it's being rolled into YouTube Music. So I'm a little sad. Jaren. Jaren's. Everyone mocked me. Yeah, we're gonna we'll talk off mic, buddy. This is huge news. As uh, dedicated listeners might recall from previous announcement blasts, the Jaren Monster is hooked up IV style to Google Podcasts. Is how he gets all of his ones and zeros. All of them. 
Speaking of ones and zeros, here are some promos for some podcasts that you can and should listen to while we are off the air. Since it's our finale, we just didn't want to interrupt the flow. So promos up front. After that, full-blown episode, baby. Some stories are epic tales for the ages, hours of content, sprawling narratives that pull you in and consume years of your life. This isn't one of those stories. Join the creators of Game Master Monday and Slay the Stars with a special guest from Lost Guide Games as they take you on a journey of hope and desperation. Using the Arc Doom TTRPG system, Bella's Comet is nothing like you've experienced so far. Because there's a twist. And the clock is ticking. Episode 1 of Bella's Comet releases on October 4th. Listen in on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everybody, my name is Jeff, and I run the Big Campaign Stories podcast. Our story focuses on four people working at a repo company, trying to keep afloat among a corporate dystopia and crushing debt. The world is one that we have been playing in and working on for a long time. The current homebrew setting is played with Pathfinder 1st Edition rules, but with more of a modern feel to it. Think something like Blade Runner or Snow Crash, but with magic. Uh, We try to release every Thursday, and when we cannot, we come up with small side episodes focusing on each character to help expand the world and lore. So, if you like greasy breakfasts, people trying to pay bills, and the occasional Lovecraftian monster, give us a listen. Alright, thanks! In between this cage-matched maelstrom we call life and whatever comes next, a tiny shack hides deep in the arid Mojave wastelands. Unimposing from the outside, all rotted wood, trash, and the broken promise of American dreams, but if you were ever able to enter the door, you will be introduced to a reality where your life matters less than the dust settling into the cracks on the floor where the molecules that make up your entire being could be rearranged into a far more useful utensil. Where every tragedy is a ritual, and every sacrifice a joke. Welcome to the color-soaked psychedelic cosmic nightmare you have yearned to have whispered into your ears. Welcome to Wireland Ranch. Join us August 10th for the first two episodes of Wireland Ranch. Anywhere you get your podcasts. In 2023, six individuals with unique pasts receive mysterious invitations to a website that calls itself The Rift. Data segregation is a priority one initiative. One member of the small group claims to have decoded The Rift's mysterious schematics and built something extraordinary. I am going to put the device to the back of his skull and pull the trigger. (laughs) What the? The remaining five members travel to Orlando, Florida, where they hope to uncover the true nature of the rift and its potential connection to their own mysterious pasts. We lost so much infrastructure through the fall. Like this happened this past fall? Are you also on the rift? What they discover is much more than they originally bargained for. Hidden rooms, a long desiccated body, a computer that operates itself, a device seemingly designed to cause brain damage, and the crumbling edges of reality all await. 
this isn't like a euphemism. We're not going to go out back and just get fucked up, right? Come find out what's in the The rift. Rift. Available everywhere you get your podcasts on October 1st. Anyways, here's a few more ones and zeros for all of you guys. Please enjoy the Uncanny Valley Season 1 finale. Hey, I didn't even know that. And don't worry, we'll be back for Season 2. Or I will kill all of these fucking monsters. Thanks. I made it more serious. God damn it, this woman never charges for shit. <laughs> we have never shown up ready to play. I have always time. shown up ready to play. Thank I'm you ready very to much. play. It's your insistence on using these modern digital tools <laughs> to record a podcast. Yeah. Okay. I think I left my phone outside. You did. I thought you did it on purpose. Why would I leave my phone outside on purpose? I thought you'd go back out there. I don't know. You won't need it down here. We're going to be role playing, right? I use it to take notes. In the form of text to other people about unrelated things. <laughs> uh, dupe our boopers. I already duped my boop. Boopers cool. Twice. Nice. <laughs> um, boop. <laughs> uh, and that awesome. was a yes from Sabina. <laughs> I know. I know if you speak. I'm glad we're recording monster, it. <laughs> the uh, Uncrunchy Valley has gone to a point now where there's a burps section. <laughs> I made really so good funny. eye contact with Mel while it was happening. It was too. so hot. Uh, okay, but that's where we're at. That's what's happening. Any questions, thoughts, concerns? Yeah, I have a question. Do I play Rikoban or am I a different character? <laughs> okay. You play Rikoban. I got this. I can do this. We could chat for a minute about that if you want. I don't like to chat. Are um, we recasting Rico Bon? So here's I what don't want to be recast. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want to be written off. <laughs> we know. Stop saying that, Rico. We get it. Um, My contract has been up for some time. Um, Chanterelle would like more screen time. <laughs> yeah, no, we're getting on the wings. Of I don't want her to have That's more been approved. <laughs> the Chanterelle spinoff has already been approved. So, tell her, yes. you step out of the Uncanny Valley train depot. You're down here in Depot Town, and you can see there's a lot of cargo being moved. And down here, there's a lot of foot traffic and stuff. What does the teller have in mind for his time here in town? The parents are away, so, the, you know, we're going to have a... No, I need to go uh, first. I'd like to talk to Mr. C. Okay. I had promised him the night of the gala to go and visit him, uh, and I ended up not doing that. Well, duty did call. This is true. This is true. Uh, so I think I'm going to head to the Glistening Clam first. That's in the neighborhood. It's just around the corner here. Go out to the main Ryle Bank Strip and make your way north just a little bit. And off to your left, you see the sprawling hall of a structure of the Glistening Clam. It's got a painted wooden sign on top that's pretty weather beaten. It once maybe was pretty glamorous. You know, a dark blue shell for the uh, clam. 
and presumably some sort of enamel paint on the clam part that was showing to make it glisten. And it's uh, it's starting out of all the places in the Uncanny Valley. Uh, this one for just is starting to feel probably most like a home. And I've always kind of felt the most welcome here out of a lot of places, so... Like I said, in this part of town on that main strip here, you can see far fewer people out and about. But as you approach the glistening clam, you do hear the pianos playing. You see just a handful of people inside, but you can still hear the normal sounds, you know, some drinking. Yeah, I'll tip my hat to some folks as I'm walking in. Taylor, fine day. And it is, the sun is shining. It is clear and bright and blue. Indeed. Nice to see all of you. Yeah, I'll head in. Go on in, and uh, Mr. C's behind the bar, and you can see Harold is there, too. And uh, he's got a pile of supplies and paint. And he's sort of throwing some big canvases over tables and stuff off to one side. I'll look back at Mr. C planning some renovations. Well, well, well. Look who the cat dragged in. I am here, and I'll take my hat off as I as I approach him. Well, I thought it's well overdue. I should spruce the place up a bit. It's show some wear and tear after not too long. As I'm sure you're going to be a very, very foundational member of the council, well, maybe we'll end up meeting here for certain events and things like that. He just shrugs with a little scampish grin. Give me an awareness check. You can see also... There's a little bit of like aw shucksy almost shyness. Well, to, that's kind of how it spot. was at the at the meeting we had as well. He was seeming to feel like he, he felt left out. Like he's like, I want to be a part. Like I want to <laughs> be a big boy part of it too. And then yeah, got kind of vulnerable and still yeah. seems to be in that. Mode. I'll I'll give him a sincere look. I'm so sorry for not meeting you. He puts big Andre the giant like hand up. He's like, no, don't no, die. No. He leans close. I heard a little bit about what happened. Well, I heard some versions. <laughs> and he laughs. He pours you a beer. And I'll give him a smile, taking care of business. <laughs> and he says, I heard at first that the madam had been killed, hung from her balcony, and then, of course, that we'd heard Talon and Palmer had gunned down a few people in front of it, and now I think she's all right. She is, on her way back to town as we speak. Well, at least she didn't get hurt. Yeah, well, we're thankful for that. She came out of it slightly scathed, but we're good back on good terms. The uncanniest valise should be up and running in no time at all. Well, I understand. Duty calls. But I have a few minutes now. If you still want to talk, otherwise I can. we can meet up at, a, at your convenience. He almost pales a little. Stands up straight and looks around like eyes flicking. Uh, yeah, I, I think we've got a minute. It's, uh, it's a little busy in here, but I need to turn and look. Handful of people. <laughs> Maybe your office then? Well, I the thing, I, we could go. I'm the, <clears throat> yeah, I think it's not my office. Harold? <laughs> yes? Just keep your eye on the place. All right, get, get some, of the other, some of the other folk to help you. Get that paint going. That's a good lad, Harold. Gee, thanks, Tyler. <laughs> he says. And he just flat blushes. <laughs> right this way. And he walks back and goes back to where his office is, like in the back behind the bar, down a little hallway. But he, he walks past it to another doorway that is locked. And so he's pulling his key out. He sort of fumbles it and drops a little. Sorry, I haven't really shown anybody this. And, uh, well, I just, I know, well, that's not even true. I've shown one person this, but it's someone I knew I could trust. And, well, I just... Before he unlocks it, I'd like to put my hand on his shoulder and make a hope check. Seven. He's like, don't worry, I'm here now. He takes a deep breath and he says, This'll be a load off my soul. Well, that's why I'm here. To lift burdens. He opens the door. 
funny that you say that. And he takes you downstairs into the cellar. And he walks you through the first part. It's like a little root cellar. A bunch of food stored, vegetables, canned goods. Takes you through another pretty, like, flimsy, almost rusty door into a further cellar filled with kegs of beer and ale. And in the far side of that, you see another door that is locked up quite tightly. It's got, like, an X of chains, the padlock in the middle. And he sort of stops at the door and, again, sort of fumbles. You can see he's still nervous, but not taking any stress. I'm going to spend the one fate point I have in this scene to create this story detail. That you've seen doors like this in a couple of other people's houses. Doors that are locked up very tight. And you've seen them in the judges, and we have seen one also in Tuco Guatuco's gun shop. And he turns to you and he says, Tell her, those storms and people's heads getting a little loopy is not the only thing here in the valley that isn't what it seems to be. He says, you might have noticed, I'm super duper strong. I've noticed that you definitely carry yourself in a very strong way. I've seen you lift things that I've questioned whether or not men could lift, but you seem quite sturdy. I am. And I've been that way since I was born. He unlocks his door and lets the chains out. Takes a deep breath. I hope you can understand what's on the other side of this. Well, I will certainly try my best. See... Back in the mainland, I didn't go by the name Kachatori. I went by my real name. And he opens up the door. Barnabas McGee. It's a dark room, kind of struggling to get a sense. You're two cellars back. There's no lamps. There's just a very small amount of light from the stairs down, trickling down here. And he quickly lights a match and gets a little lamp going. Hangs it up from a beam. The room is cast in light. And you see a lot of strange memorabilia in this room. On shelves, it's like a little display case, dresser. There are posters up on the wall, old showbill posters. There's all kinds of circus paraphernalia here. And you can see several different goofy looking outfits on display, several trophies, a couple of newspaper clippings up on the wall, boasting about the wonderful Waldini's traveling circus troupe and takes a deep breath. Give me a knowledge check. Two. This sounds familiar, this circus troupe. The only thing you can think of, it must have passed through Vieira before. You were in Vieira? Bunch. We were all over. Saints be praised, we even managed to play up in Drew. Three different times. Impressive. Well, the third one was the last for good cause. And he hands you a children. Barnabas McGee, the world's strongest man. And you can see an old daguerreotype photo attached to it. It's a huge, even bigger mustache than he already has. Handlebar, like greasy mustache. And he is bulging with muscle, like a triangle upside down. And he's covered in tattoos. And he (laughs) rips his shirt open, as you've seen him done before, and you see he has scars on it. And he pulls off the spirit gum of the scars, and you can see old faded tattoos underneath. And he he is covered in And he says, I worked for the wonderful Waldini since I was an orphan as one of his star performers. I could lift anything. So he said. And we traveled the world. Waldini was terrible. He practically owned us. Even long after slavery had been abolished through most of the civilized world, none of us could leave. He owned the work contracts on us and would never allow us to pay them back. 
barely fed us and kept all the money of the door. We played for kings and ate garbage. My husband, Carl Grades, he was a tightrope walker. And he was beautiful. And he died. We were performing in Sedelda, and without his permission, the last moment, Waldini, to impress the crowd, said that Carl would, would do his next act without a net, and he fell. I'm so sorry for your loss. It was the straw that broke the camel's back. Not just for me. Carl was... Oh, he was the heart of the troop. The wolf boy, the toad singer, the bearded folk. They all relied on his kindness, his... Well, there was a mutiny, and one night, several of the performers broke free of their rooms, and they set the rest of them loose, and I, I did something terrible. I found Waldini, he looks down, and I beat him up. And I tried to run, and I, I tried to have everyone go free their chance, but they stayed and burnt the circus down, no. From the newspapers, Waldini didn't make it out alive, and it was because I had thrashed him so thoroughly he couldn't. <clears throat> and so I came here. I know they don't have bounties back on the mainland, but I'm sure there's a warrant out for any of the performers. Well, from what you've told me, it sounds like this boss of yours was quite the wicked man. And I'll take his hand and gently place it on my boat. Sometimes Morgan calls those to action to seek justice against the wicked. <laughs> in my eyes, and in the eyes of Morgan, you are absolved. And I'll hold out my arms to, like, hug him. Yeah, he is really gigantic, like, oh my god! <laughs> I think you'll create an aspect. I think instead of Sanctuary of the Teller, we're going to call it Faith in Morrigan, with three free uses. And we're going to put that on his character sheet. Perfect. I, I didn't know if you would forgive me or... You're a good man. You are forgiven. I'll make it worth your while. I'll make it worth Morrigan's while. I'll build a shrine. Modest. But to let everyone know, this is a safe place. You do whatever you feel you need to do, and I won't lie to you. I appreciate that. But Morgan is not like some of the other saints that deal in favors and things. What you did to put the wicked in their place... That's favor enough with Morgan. Yeah, that's old school Morgan for sure. I'll say this too. When I say build a shrine to Morgan, I don't mean like a wing that has like an altar. Oh, yeah. I mean like an alcove that has like a little statue. This is a common practice for folks who take a patron saint. And it's oh, sort yeah. of like his way of being like, I will announce this place for Morgan. And I mean, in just mind, he wants him to do that. But he also wants to tell him like, you don't have to do that, right? I mean, you've done enough. <laughs> But, you know, the next time I come back, there better be a goddamn statue. <laughs> <laughs> of course, no one can know, except the porter. He's my other best friend. Is he from the... No. I met him when I moved here. We were some of the first. I mean, he predates me, but this valley was barely a camp when I showed up. And now... He's the only one else that knows about this? Well, we'll keep it that way. Your secret's safe with me. I don't know what I've done to deserve you to come here and absolve me and help me. But I will never, never forget it. Well, I look forward to our blossoming partnership. And I'll hold out my hand to give him a yeah, firm handshake. Definitely. Shakes it. 
And, you know, you guys might make a little more, like, awkward small talk, but he comes up and locks all these doors behind him and brings you back up. And you can see Harold is, is now behind the bar, and a couple of the other bar hands, they're already starting to paint. He's got dark blue paint that he's going over and Good tidying color. things up. Yeah, should make it cozy, but still give enough pop when we, we're going to do some gold around the windows. Should class the place up. While you have the painters here, maybe you sign out front, too. Touch that up a little bit. Oh, I've got big plans for that. I can't wait to see them. And he kind of signals you over to the bar and, and pulls out a piece of paper that's rolled up and flattens it out. And you can see he's got plans. Bring electricity to the place. The main avenue here has like a electric lights up and down it. And he's planning to light this place up. I have something for you to help with your electrical project. And I'll run up to my room real quick and I'll get the golden scales that the Temple of Ruiz gave to me. Why don't you sell these? These were given to me, but I don't have much use for them. Why don't you sell these and take the funds to help your electrical project? I insist. And he gives it a, a nice inspection. You can tell he's like, by the saints, it's solid. I have no uh, use for things like this. They tend to just weigh me down. And he, looking at the bottom of it, he's like, is this the symbol of Ruiz? Yeah, it was a nice gesture on their part, but I think that the money that we could get from this will go a lot further here to helping the community. I'm sure the slap in the face to him of having me sell it is something you're looking forward to as well, huh? Well, maybe some words go unspoken with that as well. He winks. I'll make sure to find a public place to make the sale. I appreciate that. This must be plus four, plus five? At least. I, this, Morgan be praised, Tella. Morgan be praised. Indeed. Well, you take care of yourself, Mr. C. I have some other business to see around town, but I look forward to seeing you soon. And you as well, Teller. Harold, that's looking real good over there. Thank you. Thank, thank you, sir. And I'll, uh, I'll walk out onto like their front porch and kind of stand there and put my hands on my hips and take a deep breath. It'll be a good day. <laughs> how about uh, let's quickly shoot back over here and see how this all wraps up. Rico and Chanterelle have landed Mordecai the Giant Eagle just outside of North Garinger Station which is the nearest station to the Uncanny Valley in the province of Maine. You've parked Mordecai, for lack of a better term, roosted, landed. You've grounded Mordecai. Taxi. Taxi. Taxi Mordecai down the runway to a safe stop, and a young porter has taken charge of Mordecai as the two of you have decided to attempt a peaceful approach well, to this train. Well, I don't know a, if a peaceful yeah. was actually discussed. It's just not rushing in. An initial yeah. approach. Yeah, there you go. I like I, no, because we did find out maybe they had taken care of him to some degree. Like yes, they had you nursed him back, kind of. Overheard that they had him in a cage that they had built of stick. Yeah, well, that's not good. I don't like that. So, Rikoban... Okay, here we go. So you guys are walking up. Uh. <laughs> you thought we were gone, people. We've never gone anywhere. It was always us burping into your earbuds. <laughs> to further paint the scene here, the province of Maine is a green place. It's more temperate and green, even less scrubby and desert-like than the valley, which, as we know, is not desert-like. So this is much more familiar, willows and live oak trees and things like that. You got something to say? <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> did I forget something funny on the map? Okay. This train station is a fairly busy one also. And you can see as you are approaching, there are carts parked outside, 
both uh, that carried and ferried pedestrian traffic, as well as a couple that were probably loading in some cargo. I'm concerned. Uh, these rail lines do not look straight. <laughs> That's what I was <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. You... Trains are slow because we drive through the mud. <laughs> <laughs> also, it looks like one of the, the, like one of the just... rail cars are off the rails, actually. <laughs> That's what I was <laughs> laughing at. <laughs> 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 the trains were programmed by Bethesda, so they're a little rough looking, but sometimes the conductor is just in the sitting animation floating 10 feet outside of the cab as the train is going. Yeah, it goes into God, the station. I don't God, I love it. Oh, so okay, thank you. Uh. There's also none of the like in between. No, yeah, like, it's just spikes. It's gray just lines. sort of. Yeah. You want to get in there? Drop Is it a those monorail situation. hand. <laughs> Feel free. <laughs> this was sure. like I'm take sure. four, <laughs> and I was like, that is as close as I'm gonna get to like non-rickety ass. I'm pretty fucking. sure Incarnate has like a path that you can make. Well, I didn't road. put them on before I exported the map. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> uh, really breaking the immersion. <laughs> Thanks. Glad to point it out. That helps pull us back in. Uh, yeah, the PTC is this like grand, powerful institution, <laughs> and then all of the railroads are just, just completely unusable. You're not gonna put a crossbeam in there. That one just deadens in a wall. Train go station. All right, I just I feel like they're gonna get all wobbly oh, if you don't put God. any crossbeams in there. But uh, all right. <sighs> <clears throat> This map is an approximation <laughs> of what the train yard looks like. It's even funnier that Jared saw it and tried to stifle his laugh. I'm, yeah. I'm just like, like you were like word. describing like the luxurious scenery of the oak tree. <laughs> They're like, the look pretty janky though, right? <sighs> okay. This is a moderately busy train depot. So this is not just moving some cargo, it is moving passengers as well. North, south, and out into the rest of the province of Maine. And you guys are walking up. You can see outside there are some carts that have been parked. You can hear muttering, stifled, idle chatter inside of a small crowd of passengers who are waiting to board. And you're walking up here from the south. Can we see the group? Nope. You see the train house, and uh, there aren't really too many people milling about until you come around here. Are we trying to approach? You're just walking up, right? We have established? Yeah. I think so. Give me you two awareness checks. That's a five, baby. Cool. As you guys are walking up, you can see that there's someone waiting outside. They're smoking a cigarette, idling. And at first, as you're approaching, you don't think much of it. But you got a five, and you got a four. Okay, cool. You guys both see this guy clocking the area, and you can see a not very well-established, but a tactically ready aspect is on this person who is standing outside. They're kind of looking and trying to clock the people who are walking by or arriving. And you kind of put together, this is somebody maybe who's keeping a sort of informal watch from this group. But they see you guys approaching and kind of trying not to look, but look. Drawing a little more attention to themselves in doing so. I try to look untactically ready. 
like really yeah casual passerby. I don't. Ricobot oh, specialty. <laughs> yeah, I do not. Rico looks tactically ready, and yeah. he might even stare him down a bit. Yep. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> You'll see this NPC here has rolled a plus three on their awareness check. And they clock you guys coming and look right through Chanterelle, an unassuming elf who is walking up here, acting casual and has not really made much of a public splash yet in the campaign. And Rico Von Talon, who is locked onto him, being like, like clearly has an ego attack, like crouched <laughs> and ready. And you can see this man recognizes you. And you don't know the face, but this is a reaction that we have established Ricoban is used to, of him being a feared and famous bounty hunter, is that people know him on sight often. And he has clocked your face and dips inside before you guys get to the train station. Okay. And you guys clock all of this and see him clocking you and being like, dipping inside. I pull my gun out and hold it behind my back. I put my hands behind my back, kind of, you know, like I'm casually walking in. To, like, disguise that I don't have my gun out, but I do have it out, you know, kind of a thing. Okay. Hiding? Like, yeah. Give me a stealth check. Matt's character sheet got Uh, plus five I'm going to boost that with Feared Famous Bounty Hunter, and we'll get that to a two. I'd like to help. Okay. I'll kind of stand strategically behind him. Okay. Front would be better, probably, because then you can shield me from bullets. That's a good idea. Yeah. Cool. No, but yeah, you do kind of take a take a, a front is better, yeah. So, well, yeah. kind of like, you know, just, yeah, so that people can't quite see where his arms are, maybe, mm-hmm. yeah. We are going to create an aspect called Ready to Rumble, yeah, with one free use. And if you get that to a three, that'll actually be two free uses on Ready to Rumble. You're welcome. Thank you. Everyone can see when you do that, Rico. I need smile. <laughs> One of the carriage drivers rolls his windows up as you walk past. He's like, why is it every time I come here? No. All right. And you guys walk in. This is a nice visual. Thank you. Thanks. And you guys walk into the train station. Uh, can we hop back to the teller really quick? I just want to do something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure his, his work's not done. <laughs> The teller steps out, looking around. Yeah, just taking it in for a moment, you know, tipping my hat to a few folks. You know, once I've kind of acclimated myself outside here and made my presence known, uh, I'd like to head to Strunken Whites. Okay. Just a couple doors down, actually. Yeah, we have some urgent news uh, to get out to the good people of the Uncanny Valley. Great. And you walk up to Strunken Whites' house. Like I said, it's just down this block. As you're approaching, you see the front porch is empty, door is shut up. The two front windows, one of them is drawn, the curtain. The other one you see almost startles you when you actually see it out of the glare, a silhouette behind. And as you're kind of walking up, you see it's one of the girls, sort of blankly staring out the window. I'll walk up to the window and like tap on the pane. (laughs) And as you're walking up to the window, you get a better view of her. It is Lorelai. And she doesn't notice you until you knock on the window. And then she starts. And it's like, oh my. Tell her. Lorelai, you all right in there? Looked like you uh, were focused on something there quite sternly. Oh, oh yes. Excuse me. She opens up the door. Hello, tell her. She is very, like, pale and million-mile stare, and her eyes are bleary like she's been crying. What's happened? Because this isn't her normal, right? She's typically bubbly. Like, both of them are kind of... She's typically been shy, but bubbly, yeah. Yeah. What's happened? Father, he's, um, if it's... He's... 
He's had an accident of some sort, Charlotte says from behind her. Another hand grabs the door and opens it. It's okay, it's okay, Laura. Here, sit down. He's dead. He's dead? When did this happen? How did it happen? He, um, he hung himself in the night. Saints be damned. Come in, please. Yeah, I'll come in. Have you called the Commodore yet? Yes. Tombski? I'll, I'll slow my roll a little bit. The teller's going into, like, justice mode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he'll, right. he'll ratchet back a little bit. The Commodore, he took the body. He, he helped us get it, get it down. And he examined it a little and asked us if he could take it and do an autopsy. I'm so sorry for your loss. Your father was a good man. Why would he want to do an autopsy? Well, it's hard to say. Sometimes, you know, the Commodore is a man of science. Just knows probably in a lot of cases that it might be foul play, right? They're thinking. Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. That would be yeah. in Just's mind. I mean, whether or not this is, who knows. But yeah, absolutely. Just would be thinking that there's already been an attack the same night. I can head over to the Commodore's place and get some more information for you. I don't want you all to trouble yourselves with this. Please, Lorelai says, and she starts crying and can't really go on. It doesn't make sense. There's this. It's a no. It says, it's all too much for me. Does this match what your father's handwriting typically looks like? Give me an awareness check. Two. I'll boost it off of um, a teller of the people, and this is a people's issue. <laughs> okay. So I'll get you a four. That's great. Great job. As she's talking, your eyes are sort of scanning about, you know, as you're in, like, Batman detective vision yeah. mode. All like, I hear from Highlighting things. Yeah. The worker area is, like, here in the main. There was no living room. His press was, like, right here. And it was a hand-run thing. He, like, pressed each paper by hand. And, uh, you've been here before. From what you know, it's a normal space. The workspace. Not a huge area that he has. You can see that his work area is a big mess, too. Not uncommon. The guy was a bit of a scatterbrain, it seemed like. But it's also clear as you're focusing on the mess. The kind of mess it is is that this place has been tossed over. And you realize coming up, too, you notice that one of the chairs on the front porch was knocked over. And you had noticed a bag of tobacco had been spilled out there also. Just, like, something that you'd picked up but didn't really register as important. Until now you're seeing, like... Was it chewing tobacco or smoking? Smoking. I'll stop Charlotte as she's like mid-sentence. Was your father a smoker? Yes. I I don't I don't know what happened, but she kind of looks around and I know that there's a journal father kept hidden. Had a lot of his notes that he kept. It's here. She removes a stone from the fireplace and pulls it out. He was a bit paranoid. <laughs> Thought that he should keep it hidden in case he ever got a story that might make someone hurt him. And she kind of is fumbling through the pages and, you know, you're looking at the slip of paper. It's all too much for me. And you've seen, he kept copious notes. He wrote tons in this. He, every time you guys talk to him, he'd be like, whoa, hold on. Just a minute. <laughs> you know, start writing down what you were saying. And the book she's looking through has like a stenographer's flowing cursive that's sloppy. And if you weren't a learned man, you'd have a little trouble even reading. And the bit you have looks like it was written by someone who could barely even read and write. I'll leaf through the journal just to see, is there anything kind of off the cuff that's like really like sticks out to me? She says, I think it's about this. And she kind of guides your flipping to the back. As you're flipping through it, you see, this is actually an equipment extra called Strunken White's Unfinished Articles. And you can see, we'll leave it unspecified for now, all kinds of tidbits on things about town. And this is actually a pretty powerful little item that can help you generate information. Because he took notes on everything. And she flips to the back. And she says, Teller, I'm beginning to think that maybe 
My father was murdered. And I think it's because he stumbled onto a story that he shouldn't have. I never told my father that I knew he was working on this, but he think he thought that he had stumbled on something. And she flips, like I said, to the back and gets ready to drop a bomb on you. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Well, his latest story seemed to be working on a huge breakthrough. A piece of news that will connect all of these threads of the uh, story of the Uncanny Valley so far. The last piece to fall into place for all of this to make sense. Are you ready? Like, this is going to change the whole... I'm ready. Like, this is like the big unifying thesis. Are you ready? I'm always ready. (sighs) This story posits Adelie Dufresne shot. Senator Gaius Marcus <laughs> Allium. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, you're an asshole. I was like, what story thing he's going to throw in now? <laughs> I think he was starting to pull on some threads that he shouldn't have been. Well, that's very, that could very well be true. Do you mind if I keep a hold of this journal for now? And she looks at Lorelei. I know it's important to you. I think he would want you to have it. You're a man of the law. Well, we'll get to the bottom of this. If there was foul play, I'll make sure that we punish those individuals to the full extent that the law allows us. Let me help you, she says. I can do it. I can pick up the work. Someone's going to have to work the newspaper. Are you sure you're feeling up to it? She says, I've listened to everything he's taught me. I think I can help you. And I think together we can find out the truth of what's happening here. Let me help you or I'm... I'm going to do it by myself. Well, I can see you're quite certain in that, so why don't we work together? In situations like this, uh, as a teller of the law, I can deputize certain people to help me who are going to be exercising certain rights and privileges in the investigation. She looks horrified. I don't, I don't, I don't want to do that. And it won't be you. You'll be here. It won't be dangerous, but you know, you're going to be a, a person of the press who's doing work specific now to this investigation. I want to help. Lorelai says that. I, I want to help too. I can, I can take pictures. All right, excellent. Before we start digging in more to this journal, I do have a few things that we need to get out quickly. An addition. You're right. They need the news. I'll write the story about what happened to father, but I'm going to say that the cause of death is inconclusive. Good girl. Thank you, Teller. Absolutely. And I'll give her two other headlines for stories that we yeah. get out. Yeah, she'll sit down with you for a minute. She's yep. got a little journal of her own. A house no longer divided. Okay. And Adley Dufresne, alive and well. And, you know, they're learning about that for the first time. I'll go over, kind of give them a brief rundown of what happened. And almost like a light bulb is going on. Do you think there's a connection? Well, it's hard to say yet. Two attacks of the... She kind of touches her fingertips to her neck of the same kind. Same night. Two people speaking. Things yeah. have fallen into place. But let's play this close to the chest, all right? I can tell you in earnestness, Teller, that Lorelai and I are ignored almost everywhere we go. <laughs> I know, because up until now, I pretty much ignored both of y'all. <laughs> see? She's, and she's not offended. She's like, I know. All right. Well, see what you can find out. Just be careful. And if anyone gives you any trouble, we'll shoot them. Lorelai says. Well, let's not go that far. You tell him to come talk to me if anyone gives you trouble. <laughs> and Charlie's like, we, we're not going to shoot him to you. And I have those, like, little pins, the Morgan pins. Yeah, sure. I'll give them each one of them. Charlotte does say, thank you, Teller. Thank you. 
If you need anything in the meantime, I'm usually at Mr. C's of the Uncanniest Valley. Harlow will say this. You could give her a hope check, too. <laughs> She's being brave? Five. Okay, good. I'll put the pin in her hand and close her hand in mine and say, it's going to be all right. I'm here, and I'll help. We'll make it all right. We will. Your father's death will not be in vain. And Charlotte turns to Lorelai and says, we'll make him proud, Lorelai. I know you both will. I'll get started on those articles. Lorelai, you get some rest. We'll be here to tell her, but I'm going to lock the door. Good idea. I'll be back to check in on you. And I'll go ahead and take my leave and walk out on the front porch and put my hands on my sides and take a deep breath. <laughs> the day's just getting better. <laughs> Morgan's grace is on me this day. I mean, does he consider this a boon? A stroke of fortune in his favor? Or is he, he just seeing that, I mean, there's like, definitely a part of him. He, he doesn't like that Strunken White died. But I think we've seen several times where just kind of likes a bit of chaos because it's easier to like rein people in. And the girls are more loyal to him than what Strunk and White was. Like, and they're like now his like deputies. So like he doesn't view Strunk and White's death as a good thing, but towards the grand mission. Those poor people. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Meanwhile, further south in the province of Maine, we have Chanterelle and Rico at Garinger Station. The two of you walk into this train station, and it doesn't quite do the normal Rico thing when he walks in and everyone's like, Rico. You guys come in a bit more unassumingly. Also, no Batwing doors, so it's not quite as cool. <laughs> and you walk in and you can see we there try are... to push and it's a pull door. <laughs> <laughs> Take away from the majesty. <laughs> No, you, you see there are several groups of people. There's a group on the opposite side, up and to the right, where there's a door that goes out to the platform and the two train lines that are out there. To your left, there's a sort of counter area. It's well manned by PTC uniformed employees. You can see three folks lingering nearby there, including Centerado. Another group of people sitting by these benches further to the left. Uh, all in all, I would say there's about 20-ish people. Do I see Squawk Blocker? To your right, as you come in, over in this corner, you see a group of folks who are huddled, suspiciously kind of looking around. Among them, Ricoban, you see the man that we were jokingly referring to as the untieable man. The guy who has evaded both Rhea Palmer and Ricoban Talon's knots and led them on a chase through town last night. He's leaned up against the wall, sitting on a bench, barely conscious. He looks pale as a sheet of paper. He's got a long jacket on. Can look down and see there's a little drips of blood still coming out too. Sitting next to him, you see a young, fresh-faced man who you recognize from the cabin. And it is, uh, well, you don't know his name, but he has a cage, two by two foot yeah. cage that he has built out of sticks and twine lashed together and uncomfortably like bulging out of it. But in the cage, you see Squawk Block. And when you guys come in, like I said, the room doesn't grind to a halt, but this group of folks to your right does notice you come in. And they clearly were primed for you to arrive. And Squawk Blocker is there in the cage. Squawk, he starts squawking loudly. Can I take a compel to just run over to Squawk Blocker? To run right up to him. Yeah, I'll be like, squawks, and run immediately up to the cage. <laughs> okay. You run over to this group of four people who is standing. There's a reaction from these guys that you run up to. Mm -hmm. 
We come on to the left. Counter, you see another group of three who is definitely eyeing you guys the whole time, and they react as soon as she goes over there, too. And when I say react, I mean hands are falling to hips. Yeah, I don't have my gun out. Great. I am just looking very earnest and running this Glock blocker. And they are, like, surprised, and then they start to react. A couple of guns come out of holsters, yeah. and you are immediately put at gunpoint by yeah. them. They're like, no closer. And you see the three by the counter there. Their hands are there waiting, basically, to see what you do. So not like in a they will shoot, more of like a they're assessing the threat. The three at the counter, yes. Yeah. And the others are like defensively pulling guns to be like, no closer. I don't want them to put her at gunpoint because that's nasty. Can I react before that happens? Is that a possibility? Uh, Give me a reflexes check. I will say a plus three reflexes roll will mean you can you can go first as they are reaching for their pieces. Plus three. <laughs> On the die. All right. <laughs> So it's going to be close. You will go first, since technically you will succeed here. But the complication is tensions rise is created, the aspect. Okay. Their hands drop to leather, and you can tell they're, like, unprepared for someone to approach them. They don't know you either, yeah. so they're just immediately going to draw. But Ricoban, his reflexes are fast, and he gets to do something first. What does Ricoban do? Dope. So I'm thinking I might shoot both those guns out of their hands and then swing around and put it at them and be like, we're not doing this, you know? All right, you're going to have to succeed with style on a guns attack to do that, to be able to create that boost where you can put the other guys at gunpoint. Yeah. <laughs> And I will say this. That's a plus nine. Oh, Jesus my God. Christ, <laughs> Matt. Oh, my God. <laughs> Terrifying. Rico, yes. <laughs> Comes out swinging. Yeah, I know, dude. <laughs> well, as violence in the Old West did, this scene escalates Fuck. really quickly. <laughs> Chanterelle, you come running over to this group. Their hands drop defensively to their guns, and they start clearing leather. Rikoban, you see this group of three folks to your left, Centrata, with them. They are armed. They're waiting for you to do something. You're ready to rumble. Yeah, here, ready baby. to rumble. And as soon as Chanterelle breaks, you see the pieces clear. You just like, two quick shots, and the guns go flying out of their hands, and you succeed with style. Yeah. So we can create a boost here, a temporary one, where you are able to turn and guns drawn on this group of three. I kind of want, when I do that, I kind of just want to be like, would like just be like looking at them and shaking my head no. Okay, Chanterelle, you aren't prepared for the shots, so you give me a bravery check. Okay. See if you take some mental stress. <clears throat> uh, that's a zero bravery. Okay, you will take two mental stress. That's fine. So you see no one has yet been shot, but you also see that Rico has stepped in here and instantly escalated it to gunfire. Mm -hmm. And guns, you know, fly out of their hands. Squawk Blocker freaks out. Rikoban has already turned away from this group yeah. and has a gun on these other three, and their guns are out. And they're, like, looking at you. They're not quite afraid, but all of them are like, holy shit, this is it. It's us versus Rico. This is, <laughs> this is what we talked about, people. We knew this was a possibility. Everyone has a... <laughs> And Rikoban, you give him a look and cluck your tongue at him, you said, right? Yeah, it's like... I will yeah. point out for the for the drama of this scene uh, that we were flying through a storm and I still have the uh, mild consequence of drenched. Yes. So presumably we're all like wet. And panic breaks out in the train station. <laughs> the people here start running and screaming out into the train yard. Some of them just hit the deck. The ticket attendant behind the counter, you can hear goes down and you can hear this bing, 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 bing like bell ringing and guns are trained on Rico. You guys have each other at gunpoint. This other group is looking at you, Chanterelle, who's like kind of frozen. What do you do, Chanterelle? Kind of want to talk to him. Like maybe just through the cage, I'll be like, are you okay, buddy? And he squawks. He looks scared. Are you hurt? 
Did they hurt you? Give me an awareness check. Okay. As that guy who's lapped this cage is sitting in is like, but don't get me closer. Uh, one. You can't tell. Listen, I don't know what's going on, but that's my pterodactyl. He's family. I need him back. I'm so sorry. He says, what are you talking about? This is my pterodactyl. I, he got lost. We got separated. I don't know. You stole him. I don't know what happened. I just want him back. I don't want any violence to come out of this. He's probably traumatized enough as it is. And you can see the two who had guns in this group don't anymore. They're like holding their hands. They're like, well, it's a little bit late to say you don't want violence. And they're all looking over at this other active group of people who have guns here. Looking over at Ricoban and the three other folk. I would turn to Ricoban and be like, Ricoban, wait a second, please. Not a chance. Rico would say... I'm not putting my gun down. There's no way. Mm-hmm. These guys have their guns out on them. They do. Yeah. And they are mobbed up. Yeah. Unfortunately yeah. for oh. them. <laughs> I'm going to look back at them and say, please, I just want him back. One of the group of three that has guns out on Rico. They're all like, you might think we're idiots. We know what you're here for. And Rico just stare him down. The Centurado's going to say, and we're ready for it. Okay. I think we're going to go into a contest here, as you two yeah. are in a sort of standoff. This can be whatever role you want it to be. But as they are standing off here, I think they are going to start with bravery. What do you roll to oppose them? Honestly, I kind of feel like my guns might be a role I could use here. All right. I got a four. I got a three, but I'm going to boost that with ready to rumble. I'm going to use one of the two fate points I get in this scene, and I'm going to boost mine to a six off of their uh, hidden aspect. Okay, I'll boost again off of uh, Feared Bounty Hunter then. All right, and you can see when the Centurado says, and we're ready for it, the other two guys kind of like, they shoot each other a look where they're like, I think. And you get a point in this contest. What do you think Rico's next move is to get them to back down? Rico would say, lay your guns down and no one has to die today. Well, that'd be an ego attack for sure. Okay, I think they're going to oppose theirs by ego also. Five on my ego. Okay, yeah, I'm gonna roll theirs. They got a plus three, you got a five. I, I'm gonna save my other fate points in case the shooting starts. Okay. <laughs> so you have two points in this contest. The Centurado tries to counter it and be like, you're outnumbered six to one. The only one dying's you. And again, the other two look, their eyes flick over to the other group where the combatants are like, ow, though, my hand and my gun's broken. <laughs> And desperately, they're going to use reflexes. And the centaur says, final chance. Now or never, put it down or die. You can tell they're going to shoot. So this is now just like a quickness to see who shoots first. I think you need to take your own advice, kid. And what skill are you going to use? I think I'm going to do reflexes as well. Okay. Yeah. Three. It's a tie. I'll boost it off of little left worth fighting for. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Okay. This is cool. And so you boost it up to a five. And you win the skill contest of Garinger Station. And you're like, take your own advice, kid. And you can see they look at each other. And the two who've been doubting this whole interaction, you can see you win the contest. Guns start to lower. And the Centurado's like, now! And he cocks his gun and pulls it up to you. I'm going to compel when I shoot, I bullseye. And you just shoot all three. Yeah, I'd like that. Thank you. Thank you, point. And you just gun them down. And they die full. Hard shot, hard shot, headshot. And there's more screaming, like from the other people yeah. in the station who are on the ground. And you, Chanterelle, and you, Rico Bond, reflexes checks. Yeah. This is turning into just a full-blown combat. Yay! It's turned into a shootout. I was wondering yeah. if it would. A third strata of chaos erupts uh, in I'll the boost with Posse on a mission. So Chanterelle goes first, then what's left of the Telegram King is going to go. Three other folks that you don't quite recognize. 
I take my rifle out. And? So Squawk Blocker is in a guy's lap, and he's sitting on a bench. Yes, but they're all springing into action, getting up. They're either going to start attacking you or running or doing something. But so they that guy's, like, leaving of... Squawk Blocker. Yes. Okay. I would like to grab the cage and find some kind of, like, cover for it under the bench. Okay. Yeah. And you go down and look, and you make eyes with another one of the passengers who's yeah. here, and they, like, <gasps> cringe back from you as soon as you go down and Squawk Blocker, yeah. like, <laughs> Yeah. Honking in the person's face, and yeah. you're like, "Please protect me! Finally, have mercy! Please don't kill me! Please don't kill me!" I completely ignore the person. <laughs> I'm talking to Squawk Blocker, and I'm like, "It's okay, buddy. You're gonna be safe here. You stay right here." And he's like squawking and railing against the cage that he's in, but you yeah. easily stow him under this bench, and we'll have the aspect, you know, he's got cover, whatever. And then I'll kind of stay in this cover too, but I'll talk my rifle. Okay, so you hit the deck and like roll under a bench next to him, yeah. but they're like standing up around you. You're yeah. not sure how good a job it actually is. So then they go, like a Kirk roll. <laughs> Two of them are going to charge at Rico, and this one, he's coming after you, though. The one who had clock yeah, sure. in the cage. Who doesn't have a gun. No, no, no. Doesn't have a gun. He's kicking at you, though, under the bench. Sure. Quite hard, and he has melee rank, so he's making an attack against you, Chanterelle, quite solidly at a plus three. Flat zero. Three physical stress coming your way. Oof. He's like, you can't steal my pet! You can't steal my pet! He's not a pet! <laughs> He's like, I'm not totally a pet! anyone's pet! So you're like grabbing his foot and stopping yeah. him, but he is kicking at you under this bench. This other guy next to him is one of the two who was armed. He's arms himself for his turn and gets rid of his aspect unarmed. And one of them's broken. The other one is still serviceable and he's going to use that. He's shooting at me, I take it. He is shooting at you. He has a guns plus two. Give me a reflexes check. Plus one. I will take that stress. Yeah, one stress. It's just a shots fired in return. Rekobon kind of turns quickly and one, you know, grazes past him. These two guys, one of them makes a melee attack against you, Rico Bond. You got a plus one. Plus two. Okay. And he just swings wide and you, you know, do the Clint Eastwood. Like, you guys start like fist fighting, taking swings on each other. The other one, it's a little out of the corner of your eye, you see, pulls out a lariat from his gear and tries to rope, 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 rope check you. Sick. Oh boy. I got three. Yes. <laughs> Four. And I'm going to boost my rope check up to a five. I'll use my last ready to rumble. Do you think you just step out of the way, or do you like grab it and pull him off balance or something? I like the, yeah, that, that sounds fun, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and you like yank the rope out of his hands. Fuck, well, that's all their turns. <laughs> it's your turn. Rico is going to shoot the man with the gun. Well, that's been fun. <laughs> you know, Rico Bond spins on his heel, yeah. takes a shot at him. I got a one. Reflexes check. He has one stress, so that means he drops. Kill him? Yeah. yeah. And he slams back against the wall, kind of on top of the untieable man who topples over. Let off some steam, Bennett. <laughs> okay, that was your turn. Chanterelle, you're up. You are hiding under this bench as a guy is actively kicking at you. I would like to smack at his like uh, foot real hard with the butt of my rifle. I kind of want to disable him. Not like literally disable him. But... <laughs> well, you might. So let's see how much damage you do. Okay is a one. Uh, yeah, he is definitely dodging out of the way as you are attacking back. Like, like, get off of me. I'll boost again with posse on a mission. Okay. Uh, to a three. Then it's tied. I think you trip him. It's the aspect <laughs> that gets created. Yes. And he's like grabbing onto you. And now yeah. you guys are going to like be rolling around as he's just like, ah, trying to melee attack you. That's fine. Then it is their turn. They still want to dance the dance? <laughs> 
No, they don't. Ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? They've just watched you kill four of their friends. <laughs> yeah, yes, they have. And they run. Yeah, I think that's fair. They double move on their turn. They don't take an action, so they move two zones. So they go out and they sort of run in opposite directions. <laughs> Then we have this last guy here, which is the guy that Chanterelle is yeah. wrestling with. He's going to make a melee attack against you. Okay. I got a four. Hell yeah. Damn. A one that I will boost to a three. Okay. Yeah. And um, he does one stress. So you guys are kind of like rolling around and he's like punching you and stuff. And it is your turn. I can see this so well in my head. He's walking up and I can hear his spurs like yep. shing, uh-huh. shing, <laughs> and he opens the gun. All the shells come out. I've used six bullets. This is as Chanterelle's wrestling. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm putting one or two in. I close it, get it on the bullet, and I walk up to the guy and I'm just like, I think we're done now. Yeah, there's a moment I put where he kind of gets on top of her and kind yeah. of raises up like he's about to really like pummel her. Yeah. And then just like, come point right against his yeah. head. I was like, I think we're done now. And his fist raised up, starts trembling. And he looks to his left, sees three dead friends. Looks to his right, sees another. Is the untieable man still there? Slumped, yes. Yeah, He's cool, under perfect. under one of the Incredible. dead people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You came in guns blazing. You drew on me. And I'd like, I'd grab him by the collar and like pull him off of Chanterelle and just like get him down on the ground and just keep him at gunpoint while she takes I'm going to immediately go to Squawk Yeah, Walker. while she takes care of Squawk Blocker. You don't even need an athletic check. That cage, you can break it's it. the adrenaline. Easily. Yeah. <laughs> you lift up a train car. <laughs> My baby! <laughs> you break it, and you see his wing has been mended. Yeah. But yeah, he raises his wings out and is squawking and flies over to Rico Bond and starts pecking at your hand on his collar. What are you doing? He's like squawking, kind of flapping on you. And he's like looking back at Chanterelle, squawking. Yeah. yeah. Oh, do I need to make a check to understand what's happening here? Yes. I think you would make a trailcraft check. Okay. I practiced. Yeah, yeah, I did some work. Work. You sit in the mirror like trailcraft, trailcraft, trailcraft. <laughs> That's <laughs> actually what our upcoming uh, break is going to be focused on. Just, I've got a speech therapist. <laughs> <laughs> well, hello, talk to me about your trailcraft check. Um, I'm sorry, is Matt's idea of a speech therapist psychoanalyzes yes, the things absolutely. you have trouble saying? Absolutely. <laughs> Tell me about the earliest memory you have of I mispronouncing Tim. Yeah, <laughs> is that not how that works? I was just going to power through it. <laughs> it's really funny. We're close to the end of the scene, I feel like. Let's just get to the uh, finish line. Is that not how it works? I don't, I don't oh, know. I got a five trail craft. You can yeah. see that Squawk Blocker is trying to stop Ricobon from hurting Yeah, this Yeah, Ricobon, stop. I think I think he might really be an ally or a uh, friend of Squawk Blocker. Who's Squawk? <laughs> Rico would let him go. <laughs> what is this? Some sort of joke? Yeah. Rico would just like, kind of say that as he walks. And I'd start walking to the untieable man. And then he'd like, look at you and guys, he's your problem now. I would just be focused on Squawk Blocker again, kind of. Flies over and lands on your shoulder. Yeah, I would just be kind of like petting him gently, and I'd probably, I would at a certain point, start whispering to him. Uh, I don't know if anyone would really be able to hear. I'm, I'm so sorry. Squawk Blocker, this is all my fault. I let you go. I'm so sorry. I'll never do it again, buddy. I'm going to protect you. At that point, I might turn to the man and be like, thank you. Whatever you did, he sees you as a friend. And his eyes are like flicking between the two of you. Emotions are sort of clashing on his face. He's angry and scared. He's confused. He's like, his wing was hurt. I felt bad for him. 
betraying we, the murder Adelie. We don't feel bad about that, then, do we? While this has been happening, Rico Bond has gone over, pulled the dead body off the entire man who's, like, barely alive left. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Barely alive left in him. Yeah. Barely like alive that. still. I can't speak for Rico Bond, but Squawk Blocker and I, we owe you a debt. We didn't kill nobody. We, we didn't kill nobody. He says, and you hear a voice. Is it over? And another voice is like, please don't kill him. The constabulary will be here soon. Rico on the red curtain lips. <laughs> you're like, oh, right. And you can see everyone who is still like hiding under the benches and stuff that people here are looking at all of you expectantly. Please don't kill him. These men are wanted, he would say. How about we get out of here, Rico Bond? We can have a conversation. I love talking. Let's say. <laughs> and he looks at your gun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we taking them with us? Yeah. Let's go. I'll turn to the guy and say, if you are really wanted, it's probably best that you come with us either way. Wanted for what? He says, we weren't doing nothing but delivering a message. We was hired to do it. Listen, I tracked somebody back to your cabin that you were working out of, and that person tried to assassinate Adelie Dufresne. Let's, again, I, I would like to go talk somewhere not here, Rico Bond, please. I will point out, I think, I want to, maybe this might be a step backwards too. Chantrell would probably remember that the one who tried to kill Adelie was brutally gunned down in the street by Rikoban and Igor Tumsky collected the body the next well, morning. Uh, he yeah. killed him. So, yeah. Okay, yeah, it was, it was a group effort. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. shot him off the bat. a few bullets in there from you. Yeah, you're right. You did a lot of the lion's share, but yeah, you could have grabbed him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But. In Ricoban and I's mind, this is the group that tried to assassinate, or at least so, one of oh, them. Did. I mean, they yeah. ran, they shot at us. Yeah, we tracked them to yeah. that cabin. Yeah. We didn't kill nobody. I swear. I swear by the saints. Please, can we get out of here and then have this conversation? I'm, I'm like looking at the people. waiting for you. Let's go. All right, listen. I promise we owe you a debt. I ain't going to kill you. <laughs> he won't either. Right? <laughs> Look at Rico. Yeah, Rico, be like, Rico would not. He needs a doctor. Georgie, he needs a doctor. And he's pointing at the untieable man over Rico's shoulder. We know a doctor. We can get him there fast after we have our conversation. Okay. All right. And we, I guess we leave. I, do we want to say something to them? Be like, yeah, this was a, this was a, a, a legit bounty. Yeah. I yeah. think, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think we would stop at the, is there a porter there or someone who's in charge? Presumably, but they're all cowering like someone might be behind the counter still, but no one has really like stood up to be like, oh, well, the store's back open. I'm going <laughs> to, they're still in would, like I, active Rico shooting mode. <laughs> Rico, yeah. would, Rico would look at the other guy that healed Squawkbucker and be like, you need to carry your friend. Start heading out. I'll talk to them. Let them know what, why we were here. I'll whisper to Rico Bond, tell them it was for the, the teller. <laughs> Good not. Yeah. And I'll be like, is there a porter here? Someone in charge? And you're a soft, like, damn it, behind the counter. <laughs> a woman sort of slowly stands like, up and a shaky hand puts, like, yeah. the PTC pillbox hat on top. And you're going to be like, it's fine. He'd put his gun away. I'm sorry for the shooting. And he'd, he'd walk up to her. Oh, golly, they're all dead. She's, like, looking at the bottom. I'm very sorry for this. I didn't want this to happen. That's kind of a lie. <laughs> <laughs> Rico would say, I'm sorry that this had to happen. This is a bounty. We're after these for the attempted murder of Adelie Dufresne. We're being sent by the teller. He would say that. And then he'd be like, I'm sorry, but we have to get them back before this other one perishes. She's just like stammering. Like, the teller? Yeah, that's right. Sorry for the trouble. And they tip his hat to her and he'd walk off and his bad ass up and leave. Yeah. <laughs> I'll help uh, the one guy carry the sick guy. Too. 
You guys load up and strap them on as best you can. And uh, give me a ride check to take to the sky. Yeah, this is the maximum load. A three. I ate her. Okay. Nice. Do we lock in a four? Uh, yeah, what's the worst that could happen? Oh, four. I have two uses on familiar ground. Perfect. I'll throw one of those on there. There we go. Six. We'll take a six. You zoom up and you're already got your bearings as far as like where some of those checkpoints were, as far as where the military eagles might be patrolling, and you hightail it out of there. Yep. With a six, you do such a good job, you avoid some of the worst wind squalls and the random encounter chart altogether with a six, and you get back into town with time left on this man's life. Yeah. Can we talk to him while we're flying? Yes. I guess I might be pretty focused, but... And you gain altitude really quickly. And the younger man that you are riding with is like, <laughs> like holding on for dear life. And you get to a stable cruising altitude. What do you mean you weren't involved with Adelie Dufresne's assassination attempt? I tracked one of the assassins right back to that cabin y'all were at. So either you're lying or something, I don't know, something I don't understand. What are you talking about? We didn't go there to hurt her at all. We went there just with a message. Who tried to hurt her? This one. He was an accomplice. He ran. He shot at us. He was supposed to deliver a message. He said he didn't. He said it was taken from him, and Rhea Palmer stopped him outside. We go, go. Then I... what are you doing in the cabin? And who was that other person? Other person? We assumed one of your crew strangled her within an inch of her life. Oh, my saints. We've been trying to track y'all. None of us was never supposed to hurt her. And it's at this point that Ricoban may think we screwed up. Yeah, I think, yeah, Chanterelle looks pretty, yeah. Okay, keep going. He leans close and he says, look, you got me. I'm going to tell you everything, okay? We didn't go there to hurt her. We went there to deliver a message, all right? Well, Georgie here, he got stopped outside by Rhea Palmer. Maybe you heard of her. Beat the hell out of him. According to him, he told us this last night when he's still awake. I'll and turn to Rico Bon and I'll say that must have been after the attempt then. He came back to our cabin where we were supposed to wait from a, a very important person who I'm not supposed to name. Told it's us. It's the senator. I didn't say no, Senator Allium. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> no, no, you didn't. I'm in a heap of trouble, ain't I? Well, I think we all might be. Look, a message was all. He paid us. We're supposed to hole up and then go down to the main. There's a boathouse. He's going to give us a ride home, and we're going to make our final report. We'd send a few telegrams back. I admit, he'd he'd hired us to watch y'all and make sure that you was staying on. The teller especially. But then y'all started working together, and now I see that you're Chanterelle Burdock. And, of course, we knew you coming in, but... We didn't lay a finger on her. We didn't even get the message delivered. I don't know what did happen to it. Well, we got the message. To Miss Dufresne? <laughs> he looks hopeful. Yeah. <laughs> he does look genuinely relieved. Like, we didn't <laughs> fuck up that bad then. All right. I don't know if the senator's going to be too happy with any of the rest of it, but... Uh... He says, well, Mr. Talon killing his men. Yeah, I don't expect he's going to take too kindly to that. So... All that stuff y'all were doing with the telegram that was specially wired, that was just to communicate with him? To give our reports back, eh? Had us real carefully run this wire, and it's been a real pain to keep up, but we've managed to send two. And like I said, we're supposed to get picked up tomorrow at the dock house. By him? 
Well, someone he'd sent for us. Well, we didn't kill no one, and we wasn't supposed to, and we didn't go to do it. I'll look at Rico Bond and I'll say, I believe him. That letter didn't sound like it was supposed to go along with any kind of life-threatening activities. And Rico just be like, Saints, damn it. And the guy nods. (laughs) This whole situation got really complicated. Comedy of errors. (laughs) (laughs) Mass murder. (laughs) What do we do now? I shouldn't have drew on me. Like I would say, like, like interrupting. Yeah. And he's, like, nodding, like, yeah, yeah, it was their fault. It was their fault. He's, like, the muttering to himself. Yeah. <laughs> I think I would probably kind of like using the, the common ground aspect that we have between maybe try to make Rikoban feel better, even though I also feel horrified at the same time. <laughs> so I'd be like, we thought that, you know, y'all had tried to kill her. We thought you were assassins. I'd, we were ready for a fight. He's just, like, wide-eyed. Did any of you see anybody else that was there? Did you notice anyone else tailing us while you were spying on us? No, not that we noticed. It wasn't so much spying on you. It was just supposed to... It was just supposed to make sure that it all went the way it was supposed to go. By doing what? Spying on us. Let's see, did they order you back? He nods. Some about some telegram made it back to the main line. It, it changed some of the plans. Oh. <laughs> so Rico Bond and Chanterelle are like, oh. I don't know anything else than that. Well, let me tell you something about your boss there. Uh, and I would go for it unless you stopped me. Rico would stop me. Yeah. And it, like, <laughs> the wind picks up. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> and his face is slowly like, getting more and more horrified. Yeah. <laughs> now, how'd you come up with a story like that? He says when you're done. I didn't. Why do you think he wants Adelie so bad? Give me a personality check. I got a zero. I also got a zero. Okay. <laughs> Cannot boost her. I have a zero on my personality. <laughs> I think it's good this way. Yeah, yeah. He's just bewildered. The aspect yeah. is created on him where he's doubtful, but also like, why would he? Huh. I mean, it makes sense what you said. You know, like you tell yeah. him like the reason he gave, you know, like there's an explanation yeah. for it. Did you read that letter by any chance? <gasps> no. No, 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 no. That was sealed in by his express, express words. Do not read it for ourselves. He is kind of a lot. I guess you haven't met him either, Rico Bond, but uh, he's kind of like you, but like old and rich, but like still scary. But like in- instead of like hate eyes, like la- laughing eyes. <laughs> like laughing eyes. You know, the kind of man that would start a war to fuel his own power. He would. He would. I just look kind of sympathetically at him. I feel like when Chanterelle said a man who would start a war to fuel his own power just cuts to the tower. <laughs> Welcome to the first meeting of the town watch. Yeah. Rico just sits, you know, he's just sitting back. He's just like, you know, like yeah. he's upset. It's a terse ride yeah. back. Yeah. The rest of the week. A couple hours. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, we know a good doctor. We'll get your friend right to him. Thanks, I, I guess. And thank you for taking care of Squawk Blocker. I wish I would have... Well, there's a lot I wish, but I'm glad that at least you're alive, and I owe you a great, great debt. Well, I, I think... Let me walk away as soon as this eagle lands. So great, great start to paying that back. And you, let me tell you, you will never see me again. If that's the best way we can pay you back, that's what it'll be, but... I think you might have to stick around to talk to the teller. 
And he makes a religious symbol of sort of yeah. absolution. Don't worry, we'll purge the sins from this man. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> like I did his friends tell her. And you guys fly on back to the uncanny valley. Shit, are all just feeling physically ill yeah. a little bit. The noose. <laughs> this one's tightening a little bit like, oh, that's going to have some ripples, huh? I, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about this more, and I'm like, I don't know if Rika would be... Uh, feeling too bad? Yeah, I don't think so. I think that went down about as well as... I think having Rico's profession, you're kind of always versed in that kind of like yeah. constant justification anyways. Yeah. It wasn't like he just kicked a door down and shot people. No, there was like a lookout and he went in and then they all had, had hands a thing and guns. then they were ready and Rico was like, don't do it. And they were at a standoff and they had a contest about it. I think the thing that feels bad is that there was this obvious misunderstanding. And if we had either one of us found a way to like talk through it, but yeah. like. Oh, well, God will sort them out. Right. Let's go. It wasn't necessarily like our fault fault. It just feels bad. Saints wills it. This is morally complicated, to be sure, but Chanterelle has earned a right to be horrified. But again, not in like a blame way so much as right. just a like, like, just the horrible like irony what, of yeah. the, yeah. That's what Rico brings to this group. <laughs> well, and, and I think a final reminder that the end of your first week on Khan, this yeah. is a totally different world than the mainland yeah. where this kind of scene can even happen. Yeah. After this conversation, you know, it's sort of fall into a sullen silence as you're all thinking about the way this went down. Rigobon, like you pointed out, I don't think he's got too heavy a heart about it. This is his job. This is yeah. what he does. And this is how life and justice yeah. is I, meted out in common. I think he's more frustrated that we didn't get them. You know, he thought these were the ones that yeah. did it. And he was like, now it's like, great. Now we have another string to unpull from this knot, you know? Yeah. I mean, we've been trying to track these guys and like, you know, trying to figure out what they were doing. And it was just like fucking nothing. Like that sucks too. Yeah. And you're reeling just from four more people are dead. Since you've shown up here, that more dead people have appeared in your posse's wake than the entirety of your life back on the mainland. Yeah, I'm feeling like I want to get away from people again. <laughs> yeah. And you fly on in silence uh, for a little while. Um, I would, like, try talking to this guy if he, like, had an affinity for, like, taking care of animals and, like, that oh, kind of thing. The, for the eagle If coop. he wanted to, like, stay at the yeah. area and, like, help out a little bit, like, I would give him, like, a little daily salary or whatever. I, listen, I know you want to get away from us as fast as you can, but if you need a little bit to get on your feet or figure out what your next move is, it seems like you got a good way with animals, and Squawk Blocker likes you quite a bit. I run Airy back at the Uncanny Valley. If you want to stay there, I got room, and if you wanted to help out, I could pay you a little bit. And he's suspicious, you know, his faces. Just for as long as you would need. I owe you a lifetime debt. It's my first time flying up on one of these things, and I'm a little bit less scary than I thought it would be now that we're up here. What was your name? Quincy Pallet. Normally I'd say it's nice to meet you, Quincy. What a weird day. <laughs> Adelie Dufresne. It's Madame Adelie Dufresne. Yes, it is, still, for now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. It's about to be Madame Teller Crawford. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's been a rough week. It has been. I had some ups. I've had some downs. Mm -hmm. I had a party. You did. Yeah, you've hit some physical lows and some uh, morale highs mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and everything in between. As the storm just ends, you're left there almost laughing in your disparity. Mm -hmm. and Or in your despair. Why did I say disparity? Your disparousness. <laughs> Despairiety. Despairiety. <laughs> in your despair mm -hmm. and there's something sharp 
digging into your back, almost like you fell on something, and you reach back, and the pistol is still back there that you took from the train. And that does actually kind of start making you laugh. Yeah. And as you're sitting there contemplating all of this, you would hear a wagon in the distance approaching. Then you hear more than one. What do you do? She might get nervous. You're wondering, is this a random encounter? Is this a good person I'm going to meet? Is this a bad person I'm going to meet? I... She's going to check if the gun's loaded. And you check the gun, and you realize you have no idea what you're doing, and you don't know how to check this gun if it's loaded or not. The one in the dress was always just like a one-shot. Allie's going to stand up real quick. From the town or heading to town? Heading to town. Yay. Give me an awareness check. Three. So you hear a family. So you hear kids talking, a dog barks, and you can hear a couple of wagons coming. Okay, she'll tuck the gun back. She's not going to run up to them like a crazy woman. She'll clean herself off and just wait as they approach. And they do, and you guys are both eyeing each other. Like, are you cool? Are you cool, bro? Are you cool? Yeah. And they're suspicious of you, and you're suspicious of them. And like I said, there's a, a man and a woman driving this carriage, and you can see a couple of kids in the back. A dog is jumping around. 50 or so yards behind them, you can see another wagon is coming that has another similarly staffed family in it. Okay. Ho, ho, traveler, <laughs> my guy says. Good evening. You heading towards town? We are, he says. You got lost in the storm? Woman says. Always. I ain't good with my directions. And you can see they're making an awareness check against you, just to make sure you're not lying. And they get a one. Uh, you get a personality check of five, of course, so. <laughs> Mind if I hitch a ride? Oh, you poor thing. Come on up. There's room. She'd hop up. Are you sure? The man says to her, and she's like, of course. We will extend a hand to our neighbor, just like Vanya asks. Thank you very much. <laughs> she'll Stupid say, St. Vanya, such a pussy. <laughs> she'll say, if it helps, and she'll slowly pull out the gun, like, handle out, not pointing, and then she'll hand it over to the guy. He nods. How much farther? Are we there yet? And she'd start laughing. <laughs> and look at the kids. And the kids are like, <laughs> are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Well, they'll be at that for a good long time now. But he's not on it. And they make some babbly small talk, like, so you, you got stuck out here in the storm, huh? You from town? Kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. You tell them who you are, or you just kind of play along? Um, I think for right now, she's just going to play along. <laughs> like, I was heading out of town with some friends, which is true. Okay. And a scuffle or something happened, and I fell off a horse, and... They hate the storms. And man. then the storm, yeah. Yeah, we were lucky ourselves. We found a ridge to take shelter against a... Worst of the wind broke on that instead of blowing our wagons away. And you can see they have two, like, Conestoga pioneer wagons, just like covered wagons they're riding in. Gotcha. Did you get a good look at that storm? Ah, I'd seen him from a distance, ain't it? You can still feel it. And he's, like, rubbing his arm here. That loud noise. The thumping, one of the kids says. All right, that's enough, Mom says. Well, thankfully the storm's gone now. Hopefully for good. <laughs> The man laughs. That's right. If Anya has any mercy left for us, that could be the last one. Sure. <laughs> and Vanya be praised. Vanya be praised, yay. They're just honest folk trying to yeah. find their way back. Could we hop back to the teller really quick to do something? Okay, yeah. There's a, another thing happening here, actually. So, good, yes. Once again, I'll kind of sit on the porch and take things in, nod to people as they're going by. Teller. And then I'll head to the Uncanniest Valley, I think. Excellent. You make your way through town at this point. 
You're walking. People are giving you a respectful berth. There's a little bit of murmuring as you're tipping your hat, and some folks are, you know, teller. Others are like, saints bless you, teller. A little more reverent. Others are almost sidling up like, is it true? The madam was attacked? And they want to know. Well, nothing's quite conclusive yet. The paper will have some information later that you'll want to check out. Just with your passive personality of plus four, you do fine. And as you go up, you knock on the door. Big John is there. Well, you again. Pleasure to see you too, Big John. All right, get inside before everyone sees. Come on. Yeah, I'll I'll walk in. She's not here. I know. She's on her way back now. Well, you know Ms. Dufresne's uh, liking this for the equestrian steeds that we have. Uh, We had to leave her behind to take the train back. Sure, I misheard you. Because you didn't just tell me you left Madame Dufresne out there in the valley by herself. She was at a train station. It's fine. (sighs) She'll be okay. Then what do you want? I'm just here to make sure things are going okay. I want to check in. Everything's on the up and up. We relax here for a little bit. At this point, Twinkle Bella is coming down the stairs. What are you doing here, she says. Miss Bella? She ain't here yet. I know she's not here. I was hoping to relax here for a little bit until she gets here. I have some things to discuss with her that are of the utmost importance once she returns. Sure. Yeah, right this way. And she has like a wolfish smile on her face. I was hoping to wait for Ms. Dufresne in her study. Of course. Right this way. That's where I was leading you. All right. I'll follow her. Mm-hmm. She's silent. Harlow, your yeah. shit-eating grin is so good right now. <laughs> she takes you in. Drink? Yes, please. Bar's over there in the corner. Thank you. She sits down in Adelie's seat behind the desk. I heard a rumor that you're a man who's taken a vow of chastity. If that's true, you sure do have a strange fondness of fucking us here. I don't know what you're talking about. She slides a stack of papers forward. It's your work. It stinks of your work. This was charity. She says, this was sabotage. What you've done is ruinous. And you look through this massive stack of bills that you've accrued for the uncanniest valley over the last week. I went through and listened and tallied everything up. Or you can get people to be like, yeah, it is charity, and I'll just not have a bill. Damn it. I will go around to these businesses and see what I can make right for you. Sure you will. She's got a pretty steely gaze. I match her steely gaze with mine. And it starts to soften. She says, I know this is how you do your little game back on the mainland. And as I'm sure you've ascertained, Miss Dufresne ain't one to hire killers to come at you. But I hope you've been paying close enough attention that this kind of game ain't one you're going to want to play much on con. I'll go over and pour myself a drink. You stick someone else with this much, you'll just get a piece of lead in payment. And that ain't a threat. I don't want anyone to threaten me with a good time. Boy, you're just some piece of work, ain't you? Ms. Bella, I came here for a mission. And now I'm on a very different mission. My first mission was to get your boss, haul her out of this place, condemn this business, and burn it to the ground. But now I've decided to ally myself with Ms. Dufresne. And I walk in here, and it doesn't seem like her staff are respecting that much. And I'll turn around and I'll give her a steely Why don't you give me an ego attack? Let's do this. Two. (laughs) I I will boost. I'm sure you will. She'll take the mental stress. I'll boost off of righteous gunslinging preacher man. Then she will boost with the fate point I have. Does she have Sanctuary of the Teller? 
She does, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought she did. She's going to boost off of always got something to say. I'll take my free use off of the sanctuary of the teller. <laughs> All right, well, she's taking a mild <laughs> mental consequence then. This is an ego check, but I'm saying it in a way that is like, <laughs> this This is the new way that things are going, right? Your boss and I are working together now, and you need to like that one way or another. However, you need to work that out in your head to like that is how you need to like it. And she just looks at you like, you really are some piece of work, huh? Well, we'll just, we'll just see what she has to say about this. All right, we can talk with her when she gets back. And in the meantime, I'm going to make good on my promise, and I'll collect the bills. They're there, and I'll put them into my coat pocket, and I'll see what I can do about these. And she kind of steps close to you, gets up from the desk and, you know, steps close to you. Says, you know, we was doing just fine before you showed up. On the up. You know what happened, and you know the person that it happened to. Now, you don't have to like me, and we don't have to like each other, but like it or not, we're working together now. That may be the case. That don't mean you're going to just throw your weight around. I don't know if you've noticed, any time one of these artisans does that, she busts them in the mouth. So I'm going to do the same to you. All right. You hold me accountable, Ms. Bella, and I'll do the same for you. You better mean what you say about those bills. I'm going to try my best to get them sorted out. She's not like belly up, but you can see she gives this hill up. She says, well, then you may as well start with the Commodore. He's here doing his weekly house call on the artisans. When he's done, you can talk with him. I'd be happy to. We have a very good relationship. I'm sure we can work something out. I'm sure you can. Enjoy your drink, Teller. I think I will. After a little while, you know, you get comfortable in the office. Maybe look through her desk a little bit and see if there's any other secrets she might have been hiding. But it all seems, you know, on the level. You don't talk to the place. You poke at a trinket or something on her desk. Put your feet up and, and get comfortable. And after 20 minutes or so, half hours, a knock on the door. Tell her you in there. It's the Commodore. I am indeed. He lets himself in. Commodore. <laughs> Tell her. It's good to see you. And you, I, uh, I needed to talk with you. You know, it's good you're here. Uh, whatever you can talk about, I hope we could talk about while, uh, I can give you a little look over and clean your wounds. It's oh, been a couple absolutely. days. Oh, absolutely, yes, yes. How are you feeling, anyways? Better than ever. Hey, take a seat. Yeah, I'll sit down. He's like opening up his... They're in my fucking office! That's, uh, it's our office now. Uh, fuck you, it is not. <laughs> he sets his kit bag down and, you know, opens it up and... He's got like a tongue depressor open up and he starts a little physical examination. He takes your jacket off and hear the news. Which one? Strunk and white. I did. I actually just stopped by there to talk to his daughters. Shame. It is. I heard you were interested in the body. Something odd about that. The whole house smells off. Yeah, and uh, the condition of his body, it, it wasn't any better. And he's pulling your eyes, like looking in them. Sad to say, I've seen more than one man step off a chair. After the war, a lot of folks hit bottom. Bruises on the neck, rope burns. Sure, not usually on the wrists, though. Or bruises all over his body, either. And that's what Strunk and White had. You know, I'm not one to say, and the autopsy couldn't prove anything definitive, but he'd certainly had one hell of a tumble beforehand. Mr. Commodore, I tell you what. If Strunk and White killed himself, I will give you this book that is hanging off of my hip. Because <laughs> there ain't no way that man killed himself. And he just grimly nods. What's going on here, Teller? I'm not fool enough to think you brought it here. 
but I know that you're here to try and clean it up. I'm still figuring out the depth of this, but there's been a series of incidents. Strange things. We're still trying to investigate. I need to... Before I work out anything in particular, I need Rico and Chanterelle to get back. They're down south investigating. Taking in the sights of the main. <laughs> well, yeah, as long as it's taking them to get back here, I'm not sure what they're doing. If we flash to Rico counting everybody <laughs> down in the train <laughs> Probably just his normal antics. <laughs> Probably. Well, that Palmer's no better. Anyone who takes money to kill... Can't be trusted. Uh, it's always been a strange coin, that one. Says, I don't know what you see in him, but he's dangerous. Well, he's like a lot of men from the war. I don't want to see him fall any further down the hole he's already in. You know, you can't save everyone, Teller. Sometimes when a man goes overboard, all that'll happen if you try and save him is you get pulled under, too. Don't worry, Mr. Commodore, and I'll tap the book. I have quite a good life preserver with me. <laughs> <laughs> he's kind of grumbles. He's gotten to a point, though, where he is taking your shirt off. And uh, he's like, that might be so, but... What? What is this? Something wrong? You can see he's examining your wounds. and Feel that? And, uh, yeah, it's strange that he says that. He's, like, palpating on your wounds and doesn't hurt. No, I don't feel anything at all. This is a joke. He says. Right. I assure you I'm being quite serious. I've tended to them quite well, and I've made sure to not do anything overly rambunctious since I got them. He almost looks concerned. He goes in his kit bag again, and he gets out like a rough little sponge-type thing. Or is a really dark brown liquid? You have a really bad medicine, right? I have no idea what he's doing. Yeah, he's getting some concoction ready, and uh, and he walks back around to your back, and he says, You're going to feel some pressure. Done. And he pushes this thing, and it's, it's coarse, and he's scrubbing on your wounds. You know, you have two gunshot wounds back there. And he's pushing, feeling again, like doing a physical examination around them. Anything. Any soreness. Fit as a fiddle. Yeah. Yeah. You want to see this for yourself. He gets a cloth and wipes off your back. And you can see Adley has (laughs) a series of mirrors in this room. And uh, he holds up a small one and kind of shines it into another. So you can look into that and see your back. Your gunshot wounds are like fully healed they look like they're 10 years out there's just pink scar and as this physical examination has revealed and how you have kind of low-key been noticing over the last couple days you're not in pain there hasn't been any negative effects at this point that major milestone of healing of your gunshot wounds that's just gone how can this be these these scars look years old i i don't know that would be a lie from the teller he would I mean, the teller thinks that Morgan healed him. Like, totally, like that's his, like... But he knows the Commodore's not really on that bent, so he's probably not going to sit there and be like, Morgan healed me. <laughs> Have you seen anything else like this here in the valley? I mean, a lot of strange things happen. We got those rainbow storms and... Strange things happen. Most folks just drink too much or breathe the wrong thing in. But this reminds me of something I had seen when I was traveling abroad. In Chirac... There's a spirit self they make from a creeping lichen there. They soak it in an alcohol, and it can be used to stave infection and sometimes even cause some cuts to heal faster. Have you used anything of this nature? Not that I know of. We did, while in friendship, come into radius of these strange mushrooms. Yes, you brought me some of their ashen leavings. 
But other than that, I don't recall having been in contact with anything. Has anything strange happened to you lately? Give me an ego check. I'm going to make a disbelief attack. One. You get these flashes of dread. Like, you're remembering these nightmares you've been having about these crazy weird things that you see. And you take a mental stress. I think because I failed it, he'll probably tell him. Last night after the gala, I, um, well, I, I took my rest and I was sleeping and I... Ms. Palma came downstairs following some gentleman outside. And I, I followed her, but then at, at a point in the evening, I, I can't remember anything. It's just blank. I, I took it as a... I had too much to drink. I had some rum leaf as well. We got a little carried away. Now I've had these flashbacks to something, but I can't quite put my mind on it. I'm not sure why, but I've noticed folk tend to have strange dreams around these parts. And I'd be lying if I said I hadn't had a few myself. But is there anyone that can even corroborate the fact that you left last night? Did anyone see you leave? Miss Palmer, perhaps? I haven't got to talk with Miss Palmer yet. I haven't seen her since I came back. I know you're a man of travel. Science. I try to study the things that I don't understand. This might sound crazy to you, but from my background and my position, I have to ask you. Have you ever seen anywhere in the world where the saints could do something like this? Tell her I've seen the best of this world, and I've seen the worst. In the war, one of the ships under my command, the RMS Miralu, it went down. We lost over a hundred hands. For what? A battle we lost? An insignificant river junction? I think Just would think about the Fenix. Yeah. They died in a battle we lost. <laughs> and he says, tell her I don't mean to offend you, but... There was a place where the saints would bother to step in. It would have been sometime then. I'm an old man. I'd love to think there's a seat for me up there. But I know, I know that down here, it's just us. Well, don't sell yourself too short. Well, I certainly did a number back here, he says. I'll get dressed again. You know, I'm something of an amateur chemist. some experimenting with, I think I actually... I'm not sure. I'm afraid to test it. Whenever he starts talking about science when just looking at him, it's just like... Blah, 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 blah. I understand. He says, I think if you might humor me, I'd like to do some experiments. Experiments with your... blood. What could you possibly do with my blood in relation to medicine? Well, some interesting developments. He starts launching into a fairly technical explanation. I just keep nodding while he's talking. <laughs> well, anyways, it might seem like hoodoo to you, but I think I might be able to find something. If there's something to find. Normally, I'm not much for medicine or knowing much about it. He offers you a cigarette. Thank you. But because I know you and I trust you... I'd be happy to work on this junction with you. One other thing I did want to talk to you real quick. There's a few balances on the checkbook here for Ms. Dufresne from you. He puts a hand up. 
I wondered about that myself. I sent the bill here on good faith. But it was Mr. Talon who told me to do it. He was sticking it to the wrong payer, wasn't he? I think so. Maybe we could work on me, and that could repay what I owe you for the surgery. <laughs> so my repayment is I get to do more of my job for you. Yes. And we get to swap stores, and I'll bring a fine bottle of something delicious for us to share. Well, I suppose that'll put me over the limit. I'll waive the fees. Twinkle Bella knocks at the door. Are you two about done in there? Start renting this place out by the minute. We're just about finished, Ms. Bella. You take care of yourself, Commodore. I'll stop by your place soon enough and we'll talk. Please, do. I will. Twinkle Bella opens the door as he's leaving. Ma'am. He leaves. I'll pull the bill from the Commodore out of my coat. Consider this taken care of. All right, Teller. <laughs> She's just like, well played. One down. <laughs> yeah, <I'm> like... <laughs> I'll walk out onto the balcony and I'll set my drink on the banister. It's at this point, it's about evening. The sun's starting to, to go down and already near the horizon, you see the pink and yellow light show that's about to start. You know, beautiful fucking sky out here. And uh, you can see the people down below. You're three stories up. It's one of the highest points in the city. Uh, don't want to say they look like ants, but gosh, you can barely tell they're people from up here, huh? And as I'm standing there looking at everyone, I'll, I'll fish around in my pocket for, for my uh, pocket watch, and I'll pull it out. And as I'm doing that, I will uh, it kind of catches my gaze in the reflection of myself, and I'll stare at it for a moment and smile. It smiles right back. And I'll say, well, looks like we got some work to do. have them drop you off probably right in front of the young canyas valley and i would like to do a finance check too and hand them whatever my finance check is okay give me a finance check nobody's ever robbed me in any of this so yeah you're so right except me <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's still probably kind of doing that i got a fiver she's gonna smile reach down in her pocket and then she'll hop down from the wagon and yeah. walk over and grab the woman by her hand. And she'll say, thank you for bringing me home. And Adley is going to conceal it as much as possible and put the money like in her hand with Adley's hand on top. Good. Stack yeah. of bills folded. She down. doesn't want anybody to see that she's just handing them 
a huge stack of cash in this town. And she'll say, thank you for your kindness. May Vanya be with you on your travels. And she's like looking at the money, like slowly counting it. Adelie will smile and turn around. Someone get a damn broom and clean off this porch. And in you go. I walk right in. Ma'am. Right as you're about to go in. And the husband's like, no, keep your mouth shut, woman. She says, I'm sure you didn't mean to give us plus five. She'll stop and say, darling, Madam Adelie Dufresne always knows what she's doing. And she'll smile and wink and flip her hair and walk into her bar. And you go inside and everyone's happy to see you. Madam, you're back. What took you so long? We was worried that there was some problem. You okay? I'm okay. I'm okay. Ran into a, a bit of a hiccup, but I'm no worse for wear. Well, you can tell me about it later, Twinkle Bella says. Right now, I actually, I think there's something we need to discuss. Okay. She takes you out to your office. Okay. Brace yourself, she sends you, and opens the door. Am I there when they go up? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She'd be at her desk with my feet up oh, on the desk. Oh, my God. A drink in his hand of your fine brandy. His boots up. I'm glad you're back. I've been busy. Get your damn feet off my table. And Twinkabella's just standing in the doorway, arms crossed, smiling at you triumphantly. Tell her. And pour me a brandy. We got stuff to talk about. Twinklebell, I think she asked you to pour her a brandy. No, I asked you. Get your ass out of my chair. He's been like this all day. You mean getting things done? Yes. Yeah. Getting things done. You two, don't you start your damn arguing. I ain't got no patience. I'll stand up and I'll pour the drink and hand it to you. I'm glad you made it back. How was the train ride? (laughs) I ran into some kerchiefers. How many? 20 at least, but... What happened? Raggedy Ann was there and those brothers people are looking for. They pulled all of us off the train and they shot all the PTC employees that aren't employed out of debt. They threw me up on a horse and started taking me north. How'd you get away? Twinkle Bell's like, at your side, basically. And she's like, get the brandy. And, uh, you know, she's like fixing you a drink. And Adam was more gentle than his brother. And thankfully I got on his horse, but a rainbow storm happened. And she'd probably pale a little bit at thinking about this rainbow storm and she'll just say and I tell everybody that we shouldn't trust horses I bucked and I fell off and saved my life they took off because the storm was coming we'll get a bath drawn for you you just rest I, uh, the stuff I had to talk to you about it, it can wait it can wait Bell, calm down okay if you're sure you're okay they didn't hurt me just scared the ever loving hell out of me saints be damned we deserve a break it's been a busy week. And that's when you hear a knock on the door. Yes? It's me, Snare. Your elf artisan. There's somebody here to see you. Who? Well, they've, they've insisted. And she opens the door, and strutting through. Friend Sanderson comes. He's got a beautiful tuxedo on. Big top hat, smile on his face, his son is there. They both have been bathed, their hair's combed. His son looks embarrassed behind him. Brandon Sanderson kind of puffs out his chest and he's like, Well, hello, my dear, I'm here for the gala. 